0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Yesterday, we started out teaching on the priority of the Word of God and God's desire that it becomes the highest thing in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which is the Word of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's go be blessed together by the Word.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm Pastor Bob Yandian, and you are the student of the Word. And uh, what I've learned through the years, pastoring, ministering in schools, things like this, you know, that's what I come to share with you. And uh, pastored for 33 years, enjoyed every bit of it. You know, in fact, when I stepped down, uh, there was kind of some things I wish, you know, that could have remained. But you know what? I knew I was making the right step, and now I'm getting to to by television and by uh, written word and all these other forms being be able to put the word of God into your life. So again, thanks for tuning in today. And we were studying yesterday out of 2 Peter chapter 1 and the importance of the word of God. Well, I love the fact that Peter wrote this because if there was an unstable, up and down, in and out, wide swing Christian, it was Peter. I mean, moved by his emotions, uh, moved by having to stick his foot in his mouth and, and saying certain things at certain times just to be heard. And And he's one that literally wrote this verse of scripture, wrote this chapter on the importance of the word of God. And so we ended yesterday talking about Isaiah 33, six, which kind of wraps up what Peter has been saying in the first nine verses of second Peter chapter one. And that is Isaiah 33, six wisdom. That's the correct output or the application of the word of God and knowledge. That's input study of the word of God will be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. A Christian who has wisdom and knowledge of the word of God that keeps on increasing literally has stability in life. Nothing can topple him. Nothing can push him over. Nothing can get him off track because he knows the word of God. And with every temptation Satan sends, he knows it's in the word of God and can say it is written It is written. It is written. But to say it's written, you have to know it's written. Then he went on to say it becomes your strength of salvation. Every Christian says this. You know, when I was first born again for quite a while, I used to wonder, doubt if I was really even saved. The Word of God brings your strength of salvation where one day you know you're saved, not because you feel like it, not because it seems like God is close to you or a million miles away. It's because of what the Word says. I can quote the Word of God when feelings come my way and thoughts come my way way, are you really saved? I can say, I did what the word of God said. I trusted in my heart. I believed with God, with my heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says, I am saved. So feelings, I am saved. Satan, I am saved. World coming against me, different religions talking to me, I am saved because I did it God's way. Because why? Why? Because the verse of scripture ends this way in Isaiah 33, 6, The fear or the reverence of the Lord is your treasure. It is your highest priority. Now go with me to verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter one. And while you're finding that again, let me just talk to those who are my supporters, those who stand beside me, those who are my partners in everyday life, in the Christian life, but also in the building of this broadcast. And that is you believe the word of God. You know the power and the importance of the word of God is that God has even put his word above his own name. God says, is there something higher than I am? Yes, I've lifted the Word up there. My Word will live and bide forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. You put your faith in God's Word, you're putting it in what God does. Even God looks to the Word. Jesus looks to God the Father. God the Father looks to the Word. The Holy Spirit looks to Jesus and to the Father. The Father looks to the Word. And every one of the three members of the God had to say the same thing. The Word has been exalted above everything in the universe. And if you do it, you'll be a success too. Is God a success? Yes. Then if God's a success, Bob can become it. How dare you compare yourself to, to God? I am a child of God, and he's given me every provision of heaven, including the word of God, and simply tells me to follow after it. Here in this verse of scripture, as, you're, as we're now found Second 2 Peter chapter 1, I simply want to say to you, if you'd like to become a partner with me in this ministry, go to BobYandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And again, thank you. Verse 10 says this, Therefore, continuation, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure or secure. He says you have a call on your life. You have an election on your life as God puts you in a certain place. He says, honestly, if literally, if you want your calling to become secure, you want the elected uh, ministry God's given to you to become more secure, do these things and you'll never stumble. The word stumble, here's a reference to you'll never sin. You'll never even deviate off the path. And we're told this in 1 John 2, 1, that the word of God causes you to come to a place you'll never sin. You say, well, God wouldn't ask that put such a high standard over me. Yes, he does. He told one sick man, he said, go your way and sin no more. He told the woman that was caught in adultery, go your way and sin no more. If he says that to us, he's saying it here. He says, if you do these things, follow after God's word, stand secure in the word of God, become a step able Christians have strength of salvation, make the word of God, your highest treasure. If you do these things, you will never stumble. You say, yeah, but I've never met a Christian yet that still doesn't sin once a while. Well, neither have I, and I'm certainly not one of them. I'm not one of those that never stumble, but I can tell you this, I've gone, I've come a whole lot way in the last 10 years, in the last five years, instead of just looking at every day individually, realize have I progressed? The answer is yes. So it comes back to this. Maybe if I live about a thousand years on this earth, I'll get to a point where I never sin again. Well, maybe, but your life's not that long. It's simply saying, set that as your goal. I said it yesterday. I'd rather shoot for the moon and miss it than to shoot for the ceiling and make it. And so many Christians set such low standards. They're easy to make. I have set a high standard. I want me to come to a place where I never, ever sin again. Now, do I If to time to time? Yes, and I'm not gonna tell you what they are. It's my personal thing between me and God. I'm simply here to tell you, I know you've got problems in your life too because you're still surrounded by the nature of the flesh, the temptations of the world. And once in a while you do stumble, but get back up. First John 1, 9, confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive you. You go right on your way. Look at verse 11. Not only does the word of God protect you in life, it gives you benefits and rewards in heaven for so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly. Man, that word abundantly is important. I'm not just gonna go to heaven. I'm gonna go to heaven abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he simply says the word of God has benefits in this life, but also in eternity. You'll get rewards when you get into heaven heaven. Man, I don't want to just go into heaven. There's a lady who used to stand up in our church during times when we would give testimony. She'd say at the end of that testimony, just pray for me. I can make it into heaven. I don't want to just make it into heaven. I don't want to get there and go, who made it? No, I want to come into heaven with wagon loads of gold, silver, and precious stones. I want to do what this verse says. I want to have an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And abundance up there is dependent on on what I do down here with the word of God. He said, if you walk by the word of God, and you live by it daily and you have a stable Christian life, you're going to have an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 12, for this reason, that I want to do success in life and success in heaven. Peter says here, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Verse 12 is incredible. It simply says this, I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, even though you know them you know what, how many times you heard something in the word of God? Well, let's go on to the next thing. And then the pastor might come back or a teacher may come back later and teach the same thing. Say, I already know that. No, you don't. You're supposed to learn things. And you know what, you hear it the second time and you finally get through all your pride that I've heard this before. You finally realize something. I heard something this time I didn't hear the first time. You know what this verse is saying again? It says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, even though you know them. Successful ministers teach the same subjects over and over and over again. Oh, you may get into certain areas, but you come right back to the same simplicity of faith, trusting God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, living for God, though you know them. That way he says you're established in the present truth. What is the present truth? It's the present truth at the time that Peter wrote this. The present truth at the time that Peter wrote this was the New Testament epistles. If you want to be established in something in the word of God, mainly rooted and grounded in it, do it in the New Testament epistles. Start with the book of Acts and Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right on through to the writings of Peter, the writings of John, Jude, other ones of the New Testament. You get established in that. He said, you're going to find yourself blessed. Verse 13, yes, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this tent or this present tabernacle, this earthly body to stir you up by reminding you. In other words, you've heard it before. I'm gonna remind you again. I've heard this before. I'm gonna remind you again. I'd heard you you preach this before. You know what? If you complain that you're having to hear it again, you didn't get it the first time. Because when you really get the word of God and it comes back around again, you go, oh, wow, I get to hear this again. I've learned something new this time. That's the attitude that you should have every time somebody says, we're going to teach on something. You say, well, I've heard this before, but you know what? I'm going to learn something new about it. This is how we grow because the word of God is ever, ever, ever increasing in our life. And we never get to the full limits of the word of God. Verse 13, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this earthly body to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my body, my tent, my tabernacle, Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, this is found in John 21, where Jesus actually showed Peter how he was going to die. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I am God. You know what he's simply saying? My life has mainly been a magnification of me I, it's always had to be my way. I always had to say something. I always had to stick my foot in my mouth. When Jesus spoke, I would even interrupt him to tell him something I thought. And he said, I was so immature. And I thought I'd certainly arrived. And I'm the one that denied Jesus in front of a little girl before the crucifixion. He said, I was the one that did that. He said, yet I grew out of that. And he said, listen, if the word can work for me, it will certainly work for you. Look at verse 16. He said, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This short period of time of which Peter has lived, already they're starting to say, well, those things really didn't happen. Some of them were just stories. Oh, oh Jesus really wasn't raised from the dead. Oh, Jesus really didn't perform all these miracles. No, no, no. These are just stories about, no, no. They're already saying by now that it really wasn't. And, and Peter says, listen, I'm one of the last few remaining ones. I was an eyewitness. I was there when it happened, not bragging on himself. He simply says what? The word says is true because I was there through much of it. For he received from God, the father, honor and glory. When there came a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. We're going to take this up right after halftime. We're going to come back right after the break and talk about this particular story because it's found in Matthew, the closing verse of chapter 16 through chapter 17 and verse 6. And if fact, want to go ahead and turn there? We'll be going there after the break. Of which Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the mountain when God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said the Mount of Transfiguration, that's not a myth. That's not a story. That's not an exaggeration. I I was there and I heard it with my own ears. I saw it with my own eyes and this is what happened while I was there. So when we come back from the break, we'll go straight to it and you'll understand more of this. So the offer that's coming, I want you to get a hold of it because it's gonna be a great blessing into your life.
1: John 1-1 says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Without the Word of God, our lives would be unstable and without direction. There would be no hope for believers or, for that matter, the entire world. In this seven-part series, Pastor Bob Yendian emphasizes and explains the vital necessity of the Word of God in the life of every believer. Sermon titles include, A More Sure Word of Prophecy, The Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's Reputation the Wisdom of God's Word, the Merchandise of Wisdom, Wisdom, Riches, and Honor, and Jesus, our Wisdom. To order Importance of the Word, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com.
0: 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 and down through verse 18, we're gonna come back to that. In fact, put a little marker in your Bible, if you would, and turn over with me to Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, we're gonna talk about Peter, James, and John being brought with Jesus up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Look at Matthew 16, the closing verse. Verse 28, Jesus says here, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some, underline the word some. In other words, out of the 12, I'm going to take some of you. There are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The some are Peter, James, and John. Now, he didn't mean they're going to live on this earth all the way till the coming. I'm going to give a preview of the coming of what I'm gonna look like coming in my kingdom. That's the second advent of the Lord. This is not the rapture. This is Jesus coming seven years after the rapture to establish his earthly kingdom, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ coming back in power and great glory as it's told in Matthew chapter 24. Then in verse one of chapter 17, it says, now after six days, he said, in a few days, this is gonna happen after six days, Jesus took, here's the sum, Peter, James, and John, of the 12, he took three of them. Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. This is the glory of God. He literally began to shine like the sun. His clothes became white light as light and literally he was covered with the glory of God. The Bible says he'll be coming back in the clouds. The clouds that's referring to is the clouds of glory, not physical clouds in the air because on one part of the earth, the whole earth will see it. Somewhere on the earth, it's gonna be a cloudless day, but they're gonna see the brilliance. Even when the sun is out, Jesus can't be missed because he's gonna be coming back as lightning From the east to the west, it says in Matthew chapter 24, and here it says his face shone like the sun and his uh, clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses that are found in Revelation chapter 11. Moses and Elijah were Old Testament prophets, and they were Jewish. So in the second half of the tribulation, two pro- two uh, of these are gonna stand there. Moses and Elijah, the two witnesses. The two witnesses appear in the second half of the tribulation, and first of all, we're told at the closing of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, Moses and Elijah are mentioned in the closing verses there. Now it's brought out again here in Matthew. Moses and Elijah will be the two witnesses, and Revelation chapter 11 tells us of these two witnesses and distinctly labels them and shows you they have to be Moses and they have to be Elijah. It says, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Notice uh, Moses and Elijah were already there talking with Jesus. Then suddenly they just appeared to Peter, James, and John talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said, Peter just interrupted. I mean, he was so overwhelmed by this moment to be standing on a mountain and there he was, in, and Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. Here's the major thing. Moses and Elijah didn't have name tags on. They knew who they were in heaven. Hallelujah. There'll be no name tags. I don't like name tags. But in heaven, we'll just know each other. And the moment they saw Moses, they'd never seen him. And Elijah never seen them. They knew. They probably looked just, that's Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And suddenly Peter stands up and says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. What an understatement. To be on a mountain with Jesus and Moses and Elijah up here, and Jesus is lit up by the glory of God, and you have the nerve to say, it's good to be here. Again, what an understatement. He said, and if you wish, let us make here three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Don't you know that's just what Jesus, Moses, and Elijah wanted to do, was spend eternity on a mountain in a tent? No, but I want you to think about this. Think about this. What were Moses and Elijah thinking? The Moses, the moment that Peter stood up and made this statement, I'm sure they turned around and looked at him. And Moses wanted to say to Jesus, where did you get him? And the moment he probably started to say that, he remembered when he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And that kept him out of the promised land. I'm sure Elijah wanted to say, where did you get you? Never mind, because he remembered when he read from the queen and from the note that said, we're gonna kill you. And I mean, she sent a note. She didn't mean it. She was trying to frighten him and it worked. So now I'm sure they say that, but what happens is, is then that's when God spoke. God just interrupted. Listen, while he was speaking, God interrupted Peter. God doesn't usually do that. God's a perfect gentleman, but when you're speaking doubt, unbelief, and stupid stuff, God will interrupt you. And in verse five, it says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I well please hear him. What he was saying was, Peter, shut up. This is the one that's important. He's the one I sent. He's the one I'm well pleased. While he's speaking, listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Now go back with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're gonna continue on. Let's start with verse 16. Here, Peter refers back to that time when he and James and John went to the Mount of Transfiguration and he said, I saw him with my eyes transfigured. Notice verse 16. We did not follow cunningly devised fables. These weren't made up stories that they're saying today. Oh, listen, they were so overwhelmed by what Jesus saw. They made up these stories around him. He said, I was there I saw the whole thing happen. We didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him shining. We saw his clothes shine. And we saw the heavens lit up. We saw Moses and Elijah come, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the whole mountain how would you like to have in the day that this was written second peter chapter 1 peter as your pastor one of the 12 i mean that's like following john that pastored the churches of ephesus now we have peter here pastoring this church how would you like to come to church every week and know this is one of the guys that walked around with jesus and got to go up with him on that mountain who what stories he could probably tell and notice what peter says he says in verse 16 at the end of verse 16 I was one of those eyewitnesses of his majesty. And now in verse 18, we heard the voice which came from heaven. I saw him with my eyes, I heard him with my ears. Don't you know the people must've gone, wow. As they heard that sermon, and probably this is what they thought. I wish I could have been there. Peter is so important. He got to see Jesus with his eyes and hear God speak with his ears. Saw all this happen. I guess I'm just nothing. He's the one that got to see it. Notice what Peter goes on to say in verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Here's what the King James says. I love what the King James says. We have a more sure word of prophecy. What do you mean a more sure word of prophecy? There's something better than seeing it with your eyes. There's something better than hearing it with your ears, which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the morning star rises in your heart. You know what Peter is simply saying? I saw him with my eyes. I heard him with my ears. But there's something more important than seeing and hearing. And that is the word of God. The word of God is more important than what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. How often have we run into a problem and we go into the bedroom, slam the door and complain, Jesus, if you would just appear to me and talk to me and tell me. And what Peter's saying here is no. Even if that happens later on, you could doubt it. It's being doubted today. We told everyone we were there in that mountain. And he said, already it's being doubted and put down. He said, but when you find it in the word of God, it's still there tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. He says, we do do well to take heed. And that is you have a more sure word of prophecy. You know what this word is. It's in front of you. You know what this Bible is that's in front of you. The promises that are here are more important than what you can see with your eyes or hear with your ears. Because what you see can deceive you. What you hear can deceive you. Through your eye gauge, Satan can show lying signs and wonders and into your ears, he can send false prophecies, but he cannot get into your heart where the word of God is and mess that up. Once you find it in the word of God, it came directly from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what he has spoken in his written word is magnified and exalted above his name. You have in your hand the highest priority in the universe above what your eyes could see or your ears could hear. How often have we said, oh God, if you would just come and just give me a word. In fact, if you could send an angel to give it to me, I'm here to tell you that if seven angels appeared in your room tonight and gave you something later on, your imagination go, you know what? That might've been a hallucination. It might've been a dream. How do I even know that was real? But when you find in the word of God, you know what? Cause you can go back the next day and that vision's not there. You can go back the next day and that voice isn't there, but the word of God is still there. Look at verse 19. We have a prophetic word confirmed, more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the morning star rises in your heart. There's been much speculation about this verse. It's simply saying this. Do you want the greatest time of your Christian life ever to start appearing? You want to know it's just over the horizon? He says, the moment you make up your mind that this word is more important than what I see or hear, he said... The day star just arose in your heart. You know what the day star is? It's the planet Venus. And of all the stars and brings anything in the air, the sun is starting to rise over the horizon. Just the sunrise coming up, the sun hasn't even appeared yet, but just the fact it's rising up over there, all of a sudden stars begin to disappear in the light of the sun. But the last one left lit is the planet Venus. And as you see that, you know one thing, there's Venus right there, the sun's about to rise. The moment you make up your mind that the word of God is more important than what I see, more important than what I hear, the day star just arose in your heart to let you know the greatest time of your Christian life is about to come, the greatest time of stability, the greatest time of knowledge in the word of God. He goes on to say in verse 20, knowing this first, here's the first thing you need to know. No prophecy of the scripture is of any personal explanation. Isaiah didn't write what he thought God said, he wrote what God said. Verse 21, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17, all scripture, all scripture means all scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek word is theonoustos. Theo meaning God and neustos meaning breath. The air, it simply means all scripture is God breathed. This scripture is the very breath of God himself speaking to you and is profitable for doctrine that's teaching for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. means when you get off the path, it brings you back, it corrects you, and then shows you the right direction. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, or equipped for every good work. Make up your mind today. Is the Word of God the highest thing in your life? Does it have the highest priority? The Word of God tells you, but you have to make up your mind. Make up your mind and determine that above circumstances, above what I see or what I hear, the Word of God is there. If what I see contradicts the Word of God, I'm going with the Word of God. If what I hear contradicts the Word of God, I'm going with the Word of God. And the day star just rose in your heart.
1: See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast.